Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hub City Homers. I believe this is now episode 35 of our show, not counting the interview episodes. We are back on a, not a baseball off week since they are playing against Abilene Christian as we speak, but there is no Big 12 series this weekend. As such, we're going to change up a little bit of how we handle this week's show. We're going to start in basketball. There's been a tremendous amount of movement in that arena. Then we're going to take a look at... um, the baseball series against Baylor. We'll recap it. And depending where we are at time, we'll go from there. We're playing this one kind of loose because we don't need to dive in Oklahoma state yet with another uh, week to do so, but we are going to dive pretty deep into basketball. So this will be a pretty jam packed show. Anyways, there's been a lot of news, a lot of recruiting news. We, we skimmed over coach Peary exiting. It's maybe worth time circling back since we have it. And obviously between the transfers coming in, transfers coming out, lots to talk about. But that's where we're going to start before we get to baseball. I'm going to open this one up to the floor. And the first discussion I want to have is maybe the most sensitive of the show. And that that's the transfers of TJ Shannon McCuller and particularly obviously Wilson also left, though it sounds like that might've been um, as mutual as mutual can get. It's rumored that I, I now after the fact, some of the paywall sites have been leaking that they already knew that he was gone um, over playing time. But we're going to start in the transfer arena and looking on the guys heading out. Um, and we'll open with TJ Shannon, but, you know, the, the bigger discussion will obviously be the McCuller discussion. So that, that that's where this will get interesting. But we'll start with TJ Shannon. He's heading to Illinois. Uh, Michigan fans and players are in a total tizzy. And uh, the, the story, if you're not aware, and we'll talk about why the story is basically total batshit crazy and to believe in the first place. Place, is that Mark Adams is somehow responsible for TJ not getting to go to Michigan. Uh, essentially that he blocked TJ from taking summer classes, which I'm going to be honest with you. If coaches had that kind of pull over admissions, you just wouldn't see players being eligible ever, ever. I'm um, just putting that out there. But anyways, that's the story you have um, Dickinson from Michigan as well as Juwan Howard's own son, Jace Howard, I believe is his name tweeted as well. Both of these guys were forced to delete their tweets. The story went widespread. Anyways, um, cheap shots at the tech program and Mark Adams calling him a coward. Uh, it, it was Bush League, and we're going to break it down more in detail. So I'm going to go to Kendall with this one first. First, Kendall, break down your thoughts on TJ heading to Illinois in the first place, and then you know fill in what your understanding is of what happened with that situation in Michigan. So TJ going to uh, Illinois is really, really big to me. Uh, that's a fantastic fit for him as much as I hate to say it. Uh, he really at tech, I still don't think we ever saw his best 
and I think just about anybody who watched him would agree. We saw his potential where he would break out for 20 plus points, but with injuries and just never um, his first year on a beard, it was weird with his playing time. Um, he just really, we never saw the best of TJ Shannon. If he can stay healthy at Illinois, I think there's going to be um, a lot of potential for him to be one of the best players in the big 10 next year. Uh, as I think that the stuff with Michigan is just nonsense. Like that's, I'm just confused at why, like if TJ wanted to be at Michigan, he would be at Michigan. Like if he has to pay for his own summer classes or if Michigan wanted him that bad, they could have very easily worked something out. But, uh, that, that whole thing with Hunter Dickinson is he, he's been a piece of shit since his freshman year. He's just, I've always hated him, but that's just me. I mean, it was really weird to see, you know, all of the tech fans interacting with Big Ten country, but um, I'm glad that everybody got to see how shitty Michigan's fan base is, so that works out pretty well for me. But overall, I just think that losing TJ is really going to hurt, not just from an on-the-court standpoint, but you could always tell TJ was a very good leader off the court. Uh, He could... You could be, you know, he was out for weeks this season and you didn't see him on the bench like for, like pouting. No, he was out there supporting his guys and he was just a really bright guy on the bench all the time and he was always uplifting. And on the court when it wasn't working out, sometimes you saw him get down on himself, but that's just because uh, he just wanted to be playing better and obviously everybody wanted him to play better at Tech but I'm just happy to see him go get another opportunity to play close to home and really make an impact and possibly try to take another shot at the NBA. Yeah, the, the story is, is you know, essentially a story that is one that it, it, it's it's easy to sensationalize, right? Like it, it just is really easy for Michigan fans to believe that somebody else is the problem. Here's the problem, right? If you guys are not aware of how Michigan admissions work, they have a tremendous amount of difficulty bringing transfers in because Michigan's admission system doesn't accept a lot of transfer credits. Essentially what happened is TJ could not get some of his credits to transfer. TJ's not a bad student. He just like could not get into Michigan with the current admissions burden. He needed to take some classes. Summer classes are covered by your athletic scholarship if you have one during the year. Um, however, TJ announces he's leaving. Tech continues to allow him to use the facilities, but the understanding being is TJ is giving up that scholarship for Mark Adams to go give it to somebody else. So when he requested that the scholarship be used towards those summer credits, Tech said, no, we're not going to let you do that. Um, it's just That just would be absolutely insane. No coach in America would let you do that unless you were a graduating senior and had some sort of situation which you lost the scholarship earlier, whatever needed to extend it. But to to announce you're leaving, you're going to go play for somebody else. You're going to go try to win a national title somebody else. There's nothing wrong with that. Like I don't have necessarily much problem with TJ leaving. I think his role in the court, um, he was struggling to carve a true role out. I think next year he was looking at a lot of talented guards coming in, and he wasn't sure if this was the best fit. He can go closer to home. You know who the people who aren't saying anything about any of this is TJ and his mom. And if you know TJ's mom on Twitter, she's the last person to keep quiet if she has a, has a problem and she hasn't said anything. They've been nothing but supportive of the program. They've been nothing but complimentary of Coach Adams. 
it was a Michigan players who thought they were getting a new a new friend to help them maybe not suck and keep their coach from slapping around assistance, but it didn't work out because of their own admission standards. If if TJ was really hell bent on going to Michigan, they could have found a way around it. I think it's apparent that your second option being Illinois is pretty fantastic. And that's where he gets to go. He's from Chicago. It, it, this isn't like a, the only people who want this to be a thing are people who just have an ax to grind. Nobody with any brain cells could possibly look at the story and think Mark Adams did anything wrong. And, you know, I don't know if there's a lot of brain cells up in the Michigan fan base clearly. So that that's where I'm at there. Now, Jack, I'm going to open up the much more interesting discussion to you to start. Cause I think we've covered that one pretty clearly. This one is a bit more painful. Kevin McCullers decide to transfer. There's some layers here. There's some layers to the story. One being that Mark Adams at least implied the decision was mutual, but regardless of what the situation is that forces the transfer, his transfer comes as a shock. His top two, if he decides to return from the draft process, which I think is likely, I think he needs another year to boost his stock. But if he decides not to enter the professional leagues, he's considering Gonzaga in Kansas. The reaction to this news was pretty immediate and pretty vitriol. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there. We'll circle around each of us to give a position on this. This is a much more unique and sensitive topic. We're not gonna bash Kevin McCullers, you know, ad hominem attack his character, but there is something to be said about having a discussion about loyalty, the transfer portal, Red Raider for life, etc. And that's what we're gonna talk about here. Um, I will say that if you're one of those people who thinks that it's like totally fine for McCuller to just go, then um, this probably isn't gonna be the discussion for you. But otherwise, we'll try to be sensitive about this and not really come after a kid's character who did a lot for the program. But it, it, it's we can't avoid that entirely because we are talking about the concept of loyalty. So, Jack, without any further said there, give your opening take on that, his, the impact of losing him, your thoughts on his choices, etc. I think him leaving, uh, there's no doubt. Let me, let me first start out with there's no doubt in my mind that Texas Tech would not be as far along as they – are uh you know he's a he's a major puzzle piece of what has been going on in lubbock for the last you know three four years so um it it stings it hurts uh this is a guy that all you heard about was how red raider for life he was and there was there was no other way place to go uh so seeing that there obviously is other places that he would rather be um, it definitely comes as a shock to the fan base, and that's that's understandable. This is a guy that told everyone for a long time that Lubbock was his only place, and uh, you know, on now all of a sudden that doesn't seem to be completely true. Um, as far as the choices on where he's going, because I don't think for a second that he goes to the NBA. I really don't. I don't think. I don't think that would end up very well for him just yet. I think he does need to go somewhere, as you mentioned, and boost his stock. Uh, from what I heard from the quick little homework session that I had on it, uh, NBA teams are have talked about him, and they are worried about his, you know, long list of injuries, as they should be. You know, I, I don't know if he's gone a full season here since he's been here without being hurt. Uh, and neither has DJ Shannon for that matter. So it becomes that sort of issue. And that's not really something you can really improve on necessarily like through practice or whatever. But um, in the overall sense of things, it, I'm going to go real old, old man 
college sports here. This is just the way things are now. Um, I hate that basically every single offseason, you're going to have to recruit a full roster because you're going to have to guarantee the kids that are already on your roster something so they'll come back. Uh, these kids will jump shit for a buck pretty pretty free willingly is, is what it seems so far. Um, you know, in my opinion, it makes kids forget the fact that the name on the front of the jersey is a lot bigger than the name on the back of the jersey. I think that that aspect of college sports is pretty much out the window now, which is concerning. Uh, there's really no loyalty. If you are a, a lower tier, even if you're a lower tier power five, and I'm not saying that tech is because we're definitely uh, not that, but if you're a lower tier power five school, you are now, and you don't really have NIL funds, you are now nothing but a stepping stone to the blue bloods uh, or teams that act like blue bloods and just have millions of dollars in their bank accounts. So um you know, if you want a fan base like Texas Tech to really embrace you and uh, you come in and you say, you know, you're a Red Raider for life, you know, you should probably live by that standard. Uh, you should probably not jump ship for a buck because, as you can see, uh, this fan base is super passionate. And if you feel like if we feel like we're being wronged, uh, you know, we'll let you know about it. Uh, I, I think the thing that Tech fans really dislike about this the most not just the the fact of the disloyalty and such was the fact that one of the choices was to go to an in-conference rival um that i don't know i don't know if it's bad as chris beard leaving i'll leave i mean i still haven't i've thought about it and i just don't know i know texas is definitely much more of a rival because we're rival to them in all sports um, but you know, Texas and Kansas are football rivals here lately. So, um, I don't know how I feel if he went to Kansas, I, I would, I, I'll mean, I'll say, I'll, I'll, I won't tiptoe around. I'd boo him when he came back to, uh, the USA. If I went to a game when they played Kansas, I, that's just, um, leaving is one thing and that's fine. TJ going to Illinois. Great. You know, if we match up with Illinois in the tournaments for some reason, I'd root for a good game. Obviously a tech win, but I'd root for a good game. But you can't tell me, like, you can't tell me you're going to go to an in-conference rival that you are consistently competing against to win a Big 12 championship uh, and expect me to still feel all sunshine and roses for you because that's just not going to happen. And um, that's pretty it's pretty, you know, just not smart to think that there would be any other reaction by our fan base. I just don't really understand. If you put that Kansas logo out there, what did you expect was really going to happen? I don't know. I just don't think that it was a smart idea. And, you know, if he feels like that's the best place for him to go get his money and to up his draft stock, then all the power to him. But I wouldn't, guarantee a fun time when you came back to Lubbock. Yeah. Let me, let me just say that um, from what Mark Adams has essentially said, you know, through his tweets that it kind of sounds like maybe there's a situation here similar to TJ and Wilson, who we'll cover much more briefly that 
with the guards coming in with what the lineup looks like for next season, that there just isn't a place for McCuller to carve a name out for himself that he needs to, to get in the NBA. Um, I could be wrong there, right? Like a coach could be trying to cover for his player. Here's the flip side of this is I think Noren Odiase said it best. It's just like when you announced you want to transfer to an in-conference rival, you're not going to get a, Hey, good for you. Good luck. Kind of tweet. Right. And, uh, you guys all by now maybe know that I handle the tweets for Review the Matador. So you can, if you're wondering which set of tweets were mine, that's that's where I stand. Um, Zach being the other opposite end of the angle. Uh, look, I, I, I think that I saw, and I tried to verify this, but I don't know if the tweet was deleted. So I'm not going to go put too much into it. But I did see a tweet for, uh, about the CBS NIL story that did say McCullough was one of the players who was attempting to leverage a bigger deal. Again, I, that tweet disappeared. I couldn't find it afterwards, so I'm not saying take that as gospel. I don't know why he ultimately elected to transfer. What I am saying is the I respected McCullough a lot as a, as a, as a guy who stayed last season. I respected him as a lot as a guy who seemed to really love tag. It's harder to respect a guy who, after he announces is going to an in-conference rival, his response to what is frankly a valid fan reaction by a lot of the fan base of you know hurt, betrayal, disloyalty, um, Look, because there's the thing. There are a lot of people who reacted to this poorly, right? Like some of the comments were disgusting. I understand that. There's no reason to threaten him, insult him, whatever. It's valid. In fact, I would argue it's your job to be upset by this. If for no other reason than you just lost a good player, but for more than anything else, Kansas may gain a very good player who is going to work to beat Tech twice a year and steal a Big 12 title from them. So I don't understand why his reaction to this criticism was to, to whine on Twitter about his treatment. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm sorry. I, I think he's a good kid. I have nothing, no complaints about his character. I don't understand why his reaction to this was to play the, oh, why is me card? Because besides the fact, whatever's happening now in college basketball, like he's making good money. And the other side of this is he's 22 years old, right? Like he's older than I was when I entered the corporate world. By a stroke of luck in summer classes, I graduated in three and a half years on accident. And I truly mean on accident. I didn't realize the last semester where I was tracking to, um, I graduated early. So I entered the workforce before um, my 22nd birthday. So he, I was expected to go into a major industry and be a, an adult, a professional, making my own decisions. And he wants to act like he shouldn't wear the responsibility for his. I have a problem with that, right? Like, I don't want him to go to Kansas. I hope he gets booed when he comes to Lubbock. I hope people leave it at that. You know, I think it's likely he gets the Trey Young treatment. That's probably not warranted. We owe him a lot. But you can't come turn around and try to beat Tech like that. Like, I don't like Gonzaga. You know, I, I think that the, I, I would really not want him to go to the Zags either. But at least I can say, okay, he just went to like the best available option. He's going to help himself out. We don't have to see him unless we make a deep run in the tournament, which might have been the case anywhere he went. I have a problem with him thinking it's okay to go to an in-conference rival and there not be a reaction. That seems to be the case. Like I said, he, he, I don't have a question about his character. I have a question about his decision-making, and I have a question about some of his attitude. Uh, I think he's a great kid. I'm sure this is all not something he mentally prepared for. You know, This isn't a situation he prepped for. Whatever's going on, whatever the reason is for him leaving, all I'm going to say is, is I will be rooting for him to have a great in it, the NBA career he dreams of. But if he goes to Kansas, he'll be dead to me. I'll be rooting against him. I'll hope Tech shuts him out, and I'll be booing him alongside everybody else. 
And once he's out of his, his Jayhawk jersey, he doesn't get to call himself a Red Raider. I'm not going to acknowledge him. I just hope he, he goes and has a good NBA career. Because here's my dirty little secret. If you leave Tech, I stop caring. Right? Like, if you transfer, I stop caring about you. There are numerous valid reasons to transfer. I want these kids to do what's best for them. And I call them kids. Again, he's a grown man. I want these guys to do what's best for him, for them. I want them, if it's money, go get the money. If it's playing time, go get the playing time. I'm not going to complain about your reasons. But I, you're not a Red Raider once you leave here, and that's all that is to it. So even if he wasn't going to Kansas, I'd stop caring about him. The fact that he wants to go to Kansas and we may have to see him and try to beat him, yeah, you should be pissed. You should react with this thinking there is questions about loyalty. You should wonder why, if he could go to Kansas, his options were limitless. So why is he looking at an interconference rival? Why does he think that that's okay? Why is a grown man hiding on social media behind the, uh, oh, you know, I'm doing what's best for me, gave this university my all. Like, we owe him a debt of gratitude. We don't owe him blind loyalty once he leaves to try to beat Tech. It's, it's that simple to me. But um, I, I hope for that this was a reasonably respectful way of framing my argument. I'm going to let Kendall go next. And Kendall, I'm also going to have you steer the discussion towards the guys coming in that are replacing TJ and um, McCuller talking about Harmon. And I'm not going to even bother to pronounce the, the kid's name. I'll learn it. I promise. I think it's AMAC. But I apologize if that's, that's not it. Um, we're going to talk about them, but I'll, I'll let you give your position on McCullough first and then lead into the guys coming in and the potential targets. Uh, I'm pretty firm on where I stand with McCullough that, um, you know, at first, you know, transferring, like we've said, it's whatever. And, you know, there was tons of options out there. But, I mean, like you guys have already said, what type of reaction do you expect when you announce not only an interconference rival, but the one that just beat us in the Big 12 championship and beat us in triple overtime in Allen Fieldhouse. Those were probably the two most intense games of our season when it comes to just competitiveness. Like we tech genuinely in games they won, they didn't play a whole lot of close games like at the end of the game. But every single game with Kansas was a straight-up dogfight that, you know, Kev went through with all of our guys. And to turn around and just make that one of your top two options, that just doesn't sit right with me. Like, you know, how if, – if he wants to go there, I mean, good for him. He it, It's obviously a good step to go to the NBA and get to where he wants to be, and I'm not going to fault him for that. And I understand why. I don't necessarily think it's all due to NIL. I do think that scouts are going to tell him that um, he needs to be with a better offensive coaching staff and a, just one that will get him more NBA ready. And I think Gonzaga and Kansas are two of the best coaching staffs for that. But, you know, that – but when you come on Twitter and start complaining, you know, saying that we're ha we're quick to – accept transfers yes we are quick to accept transfers but guess what tech still isn't going after in conference transfers most of the time like that's another thing like you don't see us you know we weren't even in on guys like courtney ramey and nigel pack two of the absolute best players in the country and we weren't even attempting to get those two players so that's what makes this all more frustrating and you see like 
Kansas going after all of these interconference players. It's not just Kevin McCuller. They've reached out to Matt Meyer. They've reached out to Tyrese Hunter. They're going after the best players in the conference. And it just makes me more pissed. And I I kind of want to pose this question to you. I don't see how this is much more different than Chris Beard's situation to me. Because, yes, it's a player and a coach. And, yes, Coach Beard just kind of like – left no prior announcement or anything but if kev goes to uh kansas it's now granted kev did stay for that year in between but also he kind of just like i just feel like he's kind of getting up and leaving after with a lot of unfinished business like i think kevin o'banner and possibly clarence adoni really right now I don't know how our season could end like it did against Duke. And a, a lot of those guys not want to come back and go one more season. Like, you know, you see a lot of the guys that ended up that had to leave, you know, Donis Arms and other guys going on in some interviews and saying that, you know, yes, they would easily stay at Tech for another year. And Kevin O'Banner proved it and he did stay at Tech, you know. And that's what kind of just sucks about both Kev leaving and Malik. Uh, especially Malik, I think he's going to be a much bigger loss than uh, what people expect just solely because we are lacking a lot of um, experience. This is going to be a much younger team. And even, you know, the guys we do have coming in, like you said, Fardaz, Amac, and uh, Davion Harmon, those, a lot of these guys haven't gone super far in the tournament. And, um, really just aren't necessarily coming from winning programs. Uh, Oregon is one, but Oregon was very, very bad last year for their standards. Uh, so I think that that's the big thing that we're affected by losing, you know, TJ, losing Kev, losing Malik. We're losing a lot of guys that were around that winning culture that we're going to have to probably rebuild. But the good thing that I don't think enough people are talking about is – Along with these two new transfers, um, we have Jalen Tyson, Pop Isaacs, and all those guys coming in. But I'm going to kind of highlight Tyson here for a second solely because he has been with Tech since, what was it, December or January, I think, when he um, committed. And he has been around this culture. He was around for the whole March run. He was with the team in Kansas City and traveled with them for all the NCAA tournament games. And I think he is going to fill a lot of the roles that really we need. A lot of people or teams would probably need multiple players to fill. I think that Jalen Tyson is going to be, you know, he is a similar build to Kevin McCuller. I think he actually might be a little taller even. Uh, he is probably a better shooter than either TJ or Kev was. And I think that um, overall – I Jalen Tyson was an elite talent coming out of high school. Like he was very highly regarded in the state of Texas. Anybody that um, you talked to was recruiting him in the state of Texas. Um, it was really unfortunate that he ended up starting his career in Austin and kind of just fizzling out into the rotation. But um, he gets kind of a start tie or a time to restart. Uh, he really. Doesn't have much experience on the court, but he has been in this program now for what will probably be close to a year. 
And that is just a ton of experience in this time frame, especially when you're not playing and you're all just taking it in. But um, I'm really excited to see uh, Amac and Harmon and also Demarion Williams coming in from Gardner-Webb. Uh, I think this transfer class, I mean, I saw, I can't remember who, I think it was 247 or 24-7 had, uh, I think Tech is the number one transfer class as of earlier this week after we got AMAC, which, you know, that's including Jalen Tyson. And that that's a really underrated part because not only do we have a top transfer class, but we have a fantastic recruiting class coming in with Pop Isaacs, Lamar Washington, Robert Jennings. Um, these guys, along with – I hope – we haven't heard anything on Frenchie unless you guys have seen something that I haven't. We have no idea if he's back, if he's leaving. He's really been kind of quiet. But I have to assume if nothing's been announced yet, um, that's got to be some form of good news. But uh, I think that we're going to be fine when it comes to this roster next year. Um, we're not as experienced, no. But um, we actually – I think we might have more guys that were, like, you know, in the program than last year going into the season. So uh, I'm not too worried. You know, Kevin McCuller, um, if he goes to Kansas – I hope that it he gets, you know, I hope it's a very similar atmosphere to when Chris Beard's there because, you know, Kansas is an actually good team, so I can't imagine how the students will show out for that when we played a very mediocre Texas team and we were able to just make it the craziest atmosphere ever. Well, bring in Kevin McCuller and possibly a top-five-ranked Kansas team, and you're probably going to be playing in an even worse environment. So, um if he goes to Kansas, uh, I don't want to be him when he comes into Lubbock. Uh, and if he goes to Gonzaga, you know, the thought process I have on it is out of sight, out of mind, just like TJ Shannon. But TJ's not as much out of my sight because, you know, I have to watch him play Iowa twice next year. Well, he'll probably score 40. But um, I just – I really wish that the color could have – literally chose anywhere else. Like I would have even preferred Duke over any of the, either of those schools. Um, and it's just really disappointing to see, especially I mentioned this in the chat. I think everybody that's used that red Raider for life, uh, hashtag besides maybe Marcus Santos Silva has ended up transferring out of the program, which just doesn't sit right with me. And now I really don't want to see anyone else use that because it just seems like, uh, it's almost like a goodbye hashtag at this point, but, um, you know, I think Mike said it best. Once you're gone, I, I, I don't think you're a red Raider anymore. I can, I mean, I still will still support, uh, TJ, um, just cause I really like him as a player, but, uh, if McCuller goes to Kansas, I mean, I have no reason to support him anymore. So, uh, I think that's that, but, um, I think as a whole, the basketball program is still looking really up. Uh, I know a lot of people are probably concerned with how many players we're losing, but like Jack said, this is just the way college basketball is. I hate it, but um, it's just a part of the game. We've been using the transfer, por transfer portal to our advantage for years now. Um, it just seems like a couple more or programs are starting to catch up with us on that, but 
you know, Tech's still sitting at, at the top uh, of the transfer portal rankings, even as all these teams are um, trying to, you know, pay for prospects. We're still sitting at the top. So, uh, you know, we're really not hurt too bad right now as a program. And in fact, I think we're looking just as good as we were last year going into the season until proven otherwise. Yeah, I think it needs to be said. One thing is, uh, look, I don't really even care necessarily. I think McCullough and a lot of people's point has been when you're talking about transfers, like why are you taking them in if you're not willing to let them go? I don't care if kids transfer out. And I think most tech fans have largely handled you know, Shannon leaving well. They've handled Wilson leaving well. The problem isn't leaving. We want kids to come to Tech. The problem is when you reject Tech for an interconference rival, you're essentially saying, like, I got to look at what Tech's doing, and I think somebody else in the Big 12 is doing it better. It hurts Tech. It does. It just does. I don't know what Tech NIL situation is. It hurts that perception. I don't know what Kansas facilities are like, but it hurts that perception of Tech, even though I think at this point Tech has better facilities in Kansas, you know, Fog Island's historic, but it's a dump. So, you know, that, that, that's my take on the idea of transfers coming in and out as for the overall roster. We'll see how things end up. You now have open spots, a couple to fill. There's been some rumblings about some major talent reclassifying, maybe another transfer tech's been in the market. I believe there's a, a guard out of Missouri state who averaged like 12 and a half a game that they're taking a look at. So there's, there's going to be more of this to come. We don't know what Naldoni's doing yet. Um, we'll see ultimately what McCullough likes to do. I'm going to bring us back to the baseball diamond now, and we're going to talk about the Baylor series. I think based on where we are at time, that's going to be where we close the show is just recapping Baylor. So, Jack, I'm going to open to you, and I want to I, I want to do kind of what we did last week, which is focus positive and negative, and that way if people want to leave before the negative or want to skip to the negative, it's clearly defined. Uh, I'm going to start you to focusing on the wins in game one and two and the late charge in game three. What did you see from this weekend that you like to, you know, what, what, what's a good sign for the future? What's something the program needs to build on? Uh, well, the first two games were really, were really nice. Uh, you know, Andrew Morris and Brian Burzell, you know, they've been pitching great all year and that continued. Uh, Burzell had a little bit of command problems uh, by his, if you ask him about it, he'd probably say that he had some command issues. He only he had four walks, um, which is a little more than he's used to having, but still went about seven innings, only gave up like a run, about five hits. So obviously that's still a good outing, still a quality outing. Uh, Morris went seven also. He had a good quality outing. And then uh, for the most part, you got good relief appearances. You got good relief from Mason Molina after um, – after Morris, and then there are a couple guys that went after uh, Birdsell. I know that uh, Robinson went, and I believe Beckel did as well, and they turned in some good performances. So, what you saw in the first two on the first two days were very encouraging. Tech hit really well with runners in scoring position. Uh, you know, about three fifty on Friday, and I believe they were an even five hundred on Saturday with runners in scoring position. I know, uh, I believe on Saturday, six of their runs came with two outs as well. So, uh, you know, when they're score, when they're hitting the ball with two outs and, uh, things like that are going right, then, you know, it's a, it's a big time. It's a big time, uh, good sign. 
Uh, that is pretty much where my good points end. I'll let you comment on that before we get to negative stuff. Yeah, I think I think you you pretty much covered it. The only thing I want to add is um, you had a pretty good showing from Hampton, and one of the things I like about that is because it's going to bring us to an argument I'm going to make here in a minute, um, and that's really just a question of who your day three should start or should be. So I like to see Hampton maybe get in a little command. I think he only surrendered a run. Um, he was handed a pretty bad situation. And he, he went, I think it was four scoreless. So, you know, that's that's yeah, what you he, want. Yeah he, yeah, he gave up. I think he gave up a runner. They went like four and two thirds. But the, yeah, and that was Sunday. So, uh, you know, I, I really thought that tonight in Abilene would be kind of a, kind of almost like a, not a competition, so to speak, but kind of like who has more going for them right now. Uh, you look at what Mason Molina did tonight. And I don't have the final line for him, but I believe uh, he'll get he'll end with three three earned runs over four innings. Um, so that's not bad for what we're used to in that Sunday spot. I'd take that. Um, so I mean, yeah, I, I think right now it's truly in between uh, Hampton and uh, Molina for that Sunday start in Stillwater. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's important to note that um, I'm going to have some more comments on the pitching rotation for Sunday here in a minute, so I'll save most of them and focus on the positive. But uh, I also like that, you know, largely the bats were pretty good this weekend. You know, Sunday they were slow, but you still ended on a pretty strong run. Uh, you should be able to win with the production Tech's putting up. If you can't win with what we're doing on Sunday after that Baylor game, you're not going to win many baseball games at all. Um, but it, it looks like in game one and two, a team that really, really, really understood what it has to do against teams like Baylor, which is not something it's looked like in a lot of games this year. You know, you've had a lot of midweeks where this is a team that looks like it's sleepwalking through them. And there's been a lot of Sundays that looked like they were sleepwalking through them. And while they were slow to get into the Baylor game, uh, they ultimately were able to, to, to make a contest of it and really pushed Baylor down the line and looked like they cared a bit. So I, I was happy to see a team that looked like it understood what was in front of it. Um, I think Tech is relatively safe to the postseason now. I don't think there's a chance for you to get knocked out of a regional. I don't think you can host. Your RPI is absolutely atrocious. You're going to finish with a bottom 35 RPI unless I think you sweep Oklahoma State and Stillwater and OU. So there's just no chance you're going to host. But you want to just get the highest seed possible, get the best seed possible. Hopefully you go to one of the weaker regionals and you can get a win and maybe you get lucky and you get to host on the return to Lubbock to happen before the higher seed goes down. So we'll, we'll see there, but my positive, my biggest positive of the weekend is it did look like a team that could, that has the ability to just take care of lower tier opponents, even if they didn't do it just game three, which is going to bring us now to our negative discussion. Um, and I'm going to start with Kendall before going to you, Jack Kendall, you know, just what's your one big picture takeaway that has you most concerned? Um, it's got to be the, the number one thing on everybody's list. Uh, we cannot win on a Sunday. Sundays have been just pathetic. Uh, you know, if you can't, you know, it's just really upsetting, you know, going in. You want to have confidence going into the regional that you can win three games, but... Like, 
I, I just don't see how any tech fan can right now. Like Mike, you've said it, you've been preaching it since last week. Like you would like this team a lot more in a super regional than the, than the regional. And, um, you know, that's really kind of all I have on that. Like, that's just the one thing with this team, you know, but whether we were playing at our best, I mean, you got the Kansas State sweep in the middle there. But other than that, I mean, it's been really, really disappointing. But, you know, maybe at, going in to the end of this season, you can get that figured out. But unless that happens, uh, I think there's a very clear ceiling for this team right now. I'll let Jack go first in this discussion, and then I'll, I'll close this out at the end. But, Jack, I'll ask you the same question, just really, you know, high level or as detailed as you want to be. At this point in time, we kind of know where the team's struggles are, but what did you see this weekend in particular that, you know, confirmed some some problems you had, created some new ones? I mean, what did you see on the negative front? Uh, I think this weekend, and I'll even kind of get it into more detail in my article this week that will most likely be out tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. Uh, and it happened tonight uh, in Abilene as well. It's just the consistency. These guys, you see a great outing or great inning from them, great couple of innings in relief, and then they just come out and they can't do anything. Uh, you know, Andrew Devine had had one of the best, uh, had looked – better than most out of the bullpen as of lately tonight he came in and you know let up a three-run shot in in the uh bottom of the fifth in abilene uh so it's 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 just absolutely frustrating and maddening to see these guys come in and you know give up no runs on maybe two hits over three innings of relief but then the next time they come out they last a a third of an inning and give up six runs. You know, there's just no consistency in the bullpen right now. And it's really, just really, really difficult to kind of focus in on that one on one thing going wrong. But I think if, if you can, it's the consistency because there's, there's talent. If you, if you didn't have talent, you wouldn't be on the roster. I mean, let's be, let's be quite honest about it. I mean, we don't get just random scrubs to come play here. So, like, there's a reason you're on this roster. So I don't really understand the difficulty in finding consistency back there. I think early in the year we found a lot of consistency with the combo of Brendan Gurton and Trendon Parrish. And, you know, Gurton would come in for, like, the seventh or eighth and eighth inning and – Parrish would just come out the ninth, get three outs, and, you know, we're on the bus going home. Uh, you know, Gurton's out for the year now, and we've gone so far full circle now that we're starting Parrish in game three against Baylor. And he promptly gives up seven runs and only lasts four outs. So, you know, I can't fault – Tadlock right now because he's it's obvious he's trying everything he's really figuring out what he has right now before this this last push in the regular season but I don't know how 
to proceed from here. My biggest question, and this is why I'm sitting where I am and I'm not in a dugout somewhere, is because I don't know what you do at this point. I don't know if you if are getting your best appearances from Molina right now. Do you put him in the starter in that third game, or do you save him to be a reliever in games one and two if something goes wrong? Lately, nothing has gone wrong, wrong in games one and two. But, I mean, TCU was pretty much the only example of that, and that's because there's no run support. So, if something goes wrong, God forbid, in Stillwater in game one or two, I mean, who do you put? Before today, I would have said, bring Divine out. But Divine just got shelled by ACU. So, I mean, we need to sit back and... Obviously, this is why Tadlock makes the big bucks, and we don't. But there's definitely some decisions that are going to need to be made over this 10-day break. And, you know, do you, do you, you know, do you keep Hampton in the bullpen? Because, you know, he was, he was fired up on Sunday. He was getting some outs, and he only gave up one run. That's a pretty good outing. And he went four and two-thirds, which is about the equivalent of a start. So, you know, do you then you start thinking, do I put someone starting the game that I know is only going to go two innings and then bring in Hampton to pitch, you know, from the third inning to the eighth and just let him get five innings, which is the normal start, but just let someone go before him. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of fluidity in the situation right now. And I really, truly think that Tadlock is assessing all different angles of this. So I will say this. I think that the only way you host is a win tonight against Abilene Christian, three wins or two wins in Stillwater and sweeping Oklahoma at home. I think that might get you the 16 seed, um, but... I, I definitely know that if you went out from here, you should host. Um, again, I really just don't hold mo- much merit in the Big 12 tournament. I don't think it means a whole lot. Never really has. Uh, you know, Tech is known for not playing too well in the Big 12 tournament anyway because they don't want waste quality games there. But I just think that there's a lot of fluidity to the situation. And we're going to see a lot of different stuff. You you could see a platoon game on that Sunday in Stillwater. It's very possible. You could see guys, you could see four guys and all of them throw two innings. And two innings, I don't care if you're, if you have no runs on no hits, two innings and you're done. It doesn't let Oklahoma state get a feel for the pitcher and, you know, who knows what you're going to see unless someone comes in and just gets shelled immediately, which by all accounts is very possible with this group. I think that every, every single option will be exhausted and we'll just see how it goes from here. Yeah. Let's be clear here. You know, Parrish was the guy on Sunday with a six ERA. I think he ended the game of like a seven something ERA. Um, there's no fucking reason Tech should be starting a guy with a six CRA on a Sunday. You lost arms this year. You didn't lose that many. Um, you have a very young staff, but 
the, the, the my problem with all of this continues to be the program is way, way too good to be in this position. You know, this isn't a few years ago when Tadlock was just starting to get things going and you were kind of the scrappy upper upstart. You are the established power in the Big 12 now. It's not Texas anymore. It's Tech, right? Like Texas is all the blue blood history in the world, but the established power, the one with the consistent success, is in Lubbock. Now, Texas is starting to get back to where they were, though this season they wasted one of the most talented teams I think anybody's ever seen in peak ten Texas fashion. But point being, Tech is an established power in the baseball world now. There's no excuse that your day three starters throwing a seven ERA. Yeah, it's just that's mind-blowingly bad. And I think the question you ask with that is you didn't have a guy who could get you two innings, right? Because I think Hampton may – I think Jack is on to something with the idea of Hampton coming out of the pen. But here's the problem. If you dig yourself into like a 6 7 nothing hole before you can go to him, those games just aren't that winnable. They just aren't that winnable. You know, you're making a hell of a run tonight against a bad ACU team to try to maybe get, escape another upset. But you're going to be playing Oklahoma State next. If the Cowboys jump on you, they'll run roll you. You're going to be playing Oklahoma after that. OU's not as good, but if they get if they can jump on you in a hurry, we saw in Amarillo what happens when you dig massive holes. I think Molina has to be your day three starter. I think you pray there's a guy in the bullpen who can throw one inning, two innings a night with Birdsell and Morris. If those guys get rattled into trouble early, you go to Hampton. You know, you throw him as your your steady reliever. It looks like that role kind of suits him. I think he'd like it better if he was protecting a lead rather than starting from scratch. I think he likes that takes some of the edge off of him. But really, all I know is like I'm not paid a lot of money to make pitching decisions. Like Jack talked about this. There's reasons why we're here and they're there. But the flip side of that is, is there's a reason they make all the money they do, and that's to make this call. And they haven't done a good job. There are problems on the recruiting trail when a program like Texas Tech can't find anybody who's ready to pitch. And it's a bigger problem this late in the year when you haven't managed to develop any of these young guys into a spot. Look, I thought Devine should go last Sunday. I wonder if that's shaking him up a little, that they didn't trust him to go. But, you know, we still have questions about him. Molina's the only guy besides Hampton's showing up against Baylor who's shown anything over the last couple of weeks that says he can get four innings without getting just blown to bits. I think you are likely to get bounced from a regional if you don't solve this, this equation. And you've got a really, really tough opponent after this to try to work it out. I'm curious to see what they do. I mean, you lost arms. Jack went through why he thinks the the injury excuse last week is nonsense anyway, so I'll leave it at that. But the point is, is you know, we are way too thin for a program this good. We're way too inconsistent for a program with one of the best coaches in baseball. I don't know. I, I don't know if this is fixable. I just you you're you're out of time, right? Like you Oklahoma State is not the fucking team to be playing, I don't know, our identity ball. And that that that's problematic. And, I'd like to touch on one thing also before yeah, we go ahead. before we close. I've been reading something on Twitter where people are saying there's a lack of experience on this team, and that's the issue. Uh, I just want to go ahead and say that that is total, absolute nonsense. You want to talk about lack of experience? I'd like to just go around your starting nine right now and look at the positions that you're going to have to that you're going to have to replace next year. Kelly at third base, gone. Wilson at short, gone. Young at second, gone. Stillwell, I don't know. He could go to the draft. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Uh, Morell in left field, gone. Uh, Carter will be there in center, and Washburn will be there in right. Uh, White will be there at catcher. 
and you're going to have to replace Morris, Birdsell, and, you know, but that's your entire team that's doing anything right now. So the fact that you want to say there's a lack of experience and that's why this team isn't good, it's a bullshit excuse for those of you that are making it. And I'll be quite honest when it comes to that because there's plenty of experience on this team. It's just not coming together. The bullpen, yeah, there is somewhat of a lack of experience, but you got guys like Hampton and Divine. Hampton started a regional last year. So again, I also don't want to hear that. Hampton started a super last year. So again, I don't want to hear that either. Like, Divine's been here for three years. Divine was here in 2020. You know, like, there are plenty of guys in this bullpen that have been here for a little bit. And from the guys that are new on this roster, a good amount of them are transfers, so they have experience pitching to in at the college level. So don't act like this is a roster full of true freshmen that are 18 years old that are just don't know what they're getting themselves into because that's not the case. And here's the other thing about the experience thing to me, and I, I mentioned it before, is – who we are forty-seven games into the Big Twelve, into the Big Twelve and overall regular season. There's been forty-seven games. You're eleven and seven in Big Twelve play, so eighteen conference games, whole bunch of non-conference games. You've played some of the better teams in baseball. Now you played a couple of SEC teams. You played Texas, Oklahoma State, um, TCU. You know these top twenty-five squads. At what point is it a question mark when we bring guys in who can't at this point in the year? after throwing for like 20, 30 innings, still look like they've never played D1 baseball before. Because we're still walking guys like crazy, right? Like that we're not even putting the fucking ball in play. We're walking them like crazy. And and it, it, it comes down to like at some point, the experience discussion doesn't matter because the baseball season's long. These are long. You should get better over the course of the year. You should be playing your best baseball at the end. Because here's the thing, basketball and football, you have a skill cap. You are only going to get so good in those sports because they're so physically demanding and you can't suddenly get bigger, faster, stronger over the span of three months. You can just by throwing enough pitches, get better at throwing pitches. And we have, we have the same problem. We have two guys who can throw a third who looks like he's on his way, a fourth who you're praying is finally figuring it out and nobody else. They don't look any better. They're not throwing strikes. They look, completely unprepared we still make goofy errors in critical games by the way this isn't a bad error team but how many games have we not been able to afford giving up three to four errors that we've had three to four errors in i mean morris's last complete game there was that total disaster of an inning they had to fight himself out of because he got no help behind him i mean like we're, we're, we're talking about a squad that just doesn't look like it's getting better um that we're talking about a squad that is still can't find an identity when the pitching's been there, the bats have been questionable. When the bats have been there, we can't find the pitching. Um, look, I'm not saying this is a bad baseball team. And, you know, it's just you're out of time to figure out what you're doing. So at the end of the day, like, it just kind of is what it is. We still have time to find somebody who can really wake up, but there's nowhere else to turn. You know, like, you just need someone to make an individually great play. You need Hampton to figure it out, Molina to figure it out. You need Birdsell and Morris to continue to be incredible. You need your bats to continue to be great. You need Dylan Carter to start hitting the fucking ball. You just you need more than you're getting right now if you want to make a run to Omaha. And that should be the goal of the program of Tex Caliber. At the end of the day, right, like there are too many former Tech baseball players who seem almost happy with the fact that Tech is just kind of regularly making a regional because they still remember the time when that wasn't the case. 
We're like five Omaha appearances later. It's well beyond time that the expectation is competing for national titles here. So if we're not doing that, we're falling behind. This is a team that may not get out of a regional because it doesn't have a day three pitcher. It, and if they do, I think they can win that super and get to Omaha. But it's also time to stop just wanting to be a guest in Omaha. You know, it's stop just it's it's beyond time to stop just being like, oh well, we went 0 2, good year. So there's, I mean, I I don't know. There's no more time to get better, right? Like you're in the last, you're in the home stretch. You're gonna learn everything you need to know about this team against Oklahoma State. If there's anything left in the tank, any magic left, maybe Birdsaw and Morris are enough to win that series, and you just live with sucking on day three and hope you get a lucky regional break. Maybe that's the case, but. Um, I think this team has talent. I think Jack's talked about it. There's a lot of guys who are going to be going to the draft. There's a lot of guys who are going to be graduating who may find a career in the minors. You know, there, there, there's a lot of talent on this team. Hopefully we didn't bring anybody in here who just sucks. I, I mean, questions about recruiting by the pitching staff is, is something to ask about. If none of these guys end up getting better, um, you know, that, that is something to ask about. Like, why are we bringing in dudes who can't develop and do one pitchers? But you know, it is what it is at this point. We're going to find out everything we need to know about them against Oklahoma State, who we're going to dive into more next week. I'm going to close us here. Last thought, as always, guys, remember with these kids transferring that there is a difference between voicing displeasure, i.e., I'm sorry to see you go, i.e., I'm disappointed, i.e., you're not a Red Raider for life. I even think that comment's pretty fair. Um, then saying, I want to kill you, you suck, we hate you, etc., etc., etc. You guys know the line, be respectful, be smart about it. I don't have any problem with commentary that expresses that you're disappointed. You should be a bit pissed off with some of this stuff. Some of it's just a new way of doing business. So find the line, you know what it is. If nobody doesn't know what it is, um, social media breeds a, an environment in which it's easy to take shots at guys anonymously. Um, just be respectful. And I'm going to close this here. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week to break down Oklahoma State. We're going to talk about any recruiting news that develops in the meantime. And we'll maybe just take a look around the country since we've got kind of a long stretch here between sporting events. We'll see what's going on. If it's anything like last weekend, this weekend could be crazy. All righty, folks, I'll close this here. Wreck them. Have a good one.